My Journey with Cancer. sufferer. I'm a human being with cancer. It's my belief that God has called me to be frank and open about my cancer and my journey, whether it be long or short, to tell the world what it's like to have cancer and to walk that journey and to share with anyone who will listen what God can do so that you can see what cancer treatment is like. For many of us, it's a mystery and it's a frightening thing, but it isn't. It doesn't have to be. And if you listen to my journey, it might give you hope in yours. Pops, yeah, we'd love to come on the journey with you. Amen. Well, this is Norman here, and I'm privileged again to talk to Pops. And this time he's in Studio 2 talking to me. Whereas last time he was at home at Christmas talking to a microphone, sort of isolated at home because somebody had decided that you needed this terrifying thing called chemotherapy. How did that grab you, Pops? Well, to start with, let's say that um, when chemotherapy was offered, I think like most people, there's a lot of apprehension. We've all heard horror stories about the chemotherapy, you know, your hair falling out, the all the different side effects that there can be, and there are many. But at the end of the day, chemotherapy brings hope. You wouldn't be offered chemotherapy if there was no hope. So to be offered chemotherapy and to be offered a a treatment plan of any kind is always a positive thing when you've got cancer. And I must admit, I stood in your place at one time where I was terrified of being told I needed chemotherapy. That was until I needed it, and then you will grab hold of anything that's offered. My only experience down that type of line, I can remember the moment when I was sat in the waiting room having had one or two checks, and a person poked their head round the door and said, Oh, hello, Norman, um, Mr. Polden, would you like to come with me? I'm the cancer nurse. Mm. And I don't think she should have said that, <laughs> because that really blew my mind. Oh, heck. I got to know her as Leanne and Mm. she was a lovely lady and 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 it didn't purport to be anything particularly difficult and dodgy but it was just a sudden would you like to come with me I'm the cancer nurse. My oncologist actually said I want to give you chemotherapy it will be 10 three-week sessions which is almost six months worth and um, I looked across at my wife and she nodded and I looked back and said yeah we'll go for that. And the oncologist didn't know what to say because she'd never had such an easy sell. (laughs) But there was no other choice. I've had radiotherapy, which is, if you like, 
having like x-rays on steroids which were designed to kill the cancer in my prostate I couldn't have radiotherapy for the secondaries because that would fry my lungs and my heart which would if it didn't kill me it certainly would debilitate me to the point of being bedridden so the only option was chemotherapy or hormone treatment hormone treatment was dismissed by the oncologist because it does have detrimental effects on your heart and with my heart already impaired because I've had bypass surgery she wanted to avoid that so chemotherapy became the single option at this stage and I was happy to go with it. A silly phrase in my mind is a sheep before its shearers is dumb. In a way, in situations where I've been in the hot seat and somebody has said, well, what we're going to have to do is so-and-so, you just somehow rather find a calm, and I think perhaps that is God-given, and also a mental, I'm in the hands of somebody who knows a darn sight more about this subject than I do. They've talked to a lot of people. They've done it in a lot of situations. And all I can do is say, OK, fine, add me to your list and do what you normally do. I turned to somebody on one occasion and said, well, OK, fine, what's your track record? And he said, well, we're successful with four out of five. So I sort of felt, well, hang on a moment. I think I could probably be one of those four. So, OK, fine. I wouldn't like to be in this situation, but I'll go along with it. I think that's right. For me, being offered the chemotherapy was hope. None of us expect a clinician of any kind to offer us a treatment that is harmful. No. Nor do they offer us treatments that they think will not work. As the oncologist said to me at one point, I can't offer you chemotherapy because I haven't actually found a cancer yet. This was before the final diagnosis. Mm. Now she had found a cancer and she was offering, for me, what was her best option. And I actually did say to her, when she was surprised that I accepted it so readily, I said, well, that's why you're called an oncologist and I'm called a patient. Yes. I'm expected to follow your lead because you're the expert and I bow to your expert opinion. Mm. Me, Norman, you, boss. Yes. Simple. (laughs) Yes, very simple. And um, she was pleased. And I have to admit, at that time, I had no fight left in me. Um, No. I was in the process of being made redundant from work. My GP, I had had to go and see because of pain in my chest. He had taken one look at me and said, you are not going to work again. That's the end of it. You're done. He was very firm. (laughs) And I got to the end of my tether. And it wasn't until I actually stopped working that I realised how poorly I was. Yes. And up to then I'd been kidding myself that I was getting home late at night, very tired because I was working very hard. The truth was I wasn't actually working very hard, but it was taking its toll. And all the things that I should have been doing and could have been doing on an evening, my wife was actually doing for me. She was gardening for me. She was digging. She was weeding. She was cleaning. And I was living in cloud cuckoo land saying to myself, I'm okay. I'll be okay after a week or two. And I realised, actually, John, you're very, very ill. Mm. You've got to do something about this. So when the final diagnosis came through and the offer of chemotherapy... That was the lifeline, and I was going to take it. And I would urge anybody in that situation, if you're offered a lifeline, take it. Don't go quietly into the night. There's no need to. God gave us life for a purpose. The purpose is to serve him and to strive to serve him as long as we live. 
Yes, as long as we live and life is precious, <coughs> life's to be held on to with a gritted teeth if necessary. Mm. So, okay, your name was then on the list. You knew that it was so many bursts and you knew it would last a certain length of time. For me, my first chemo treatment was on the 17th of December 2018. The oncologist pulled strings to get me in before Christmas to get me into the system and actually get some drugs into me so that they would work over the holiday period. Otherwise, it would be another three weeks delay and she wasn't happy with that. They put me on a treatment called docetexel and also gave me lots and lots of steroids and a little book so that I can record all these things in which I'm just referring to now. In Doncaster, the chemotherapy suite is a daycare centre. So you just go in for a day or in my case, I go in for two hours. Chemotherapy at this sort of level is administered via a drip. So you have a, a drip into your arm and a litre of saline fluid with a drug mixed in it goes into you. And that's it. It's very unspectacular. The suite I go to is the Chatsfield suite. There are no beds. It's all recliner chairs. Lovely and comfortable. Television to watch. Free Wi-Fi. All those kind of things. It's not painful in itself having the chemotherapy. In fact, I, I found my first visit really relaxing. The staff were absolutely wonderful. Prior to having the uh, chemotherapy on that day, for over a 12-hour period, I had to take some medication, which is all steroids and anti-sickness drugs. You're given those to reduce the side effects. Now, many, many people are afraid of the side effects. But what we're often afraid of, and I think what worried me, was what I knew of the side effects 20 years ago, when the chemotherapy drugs were much cruder. And when things like using steroids to control inflammation and pain and sickness were not heard of. So we all have this picture of people being terribly, terribly ill. But that's not the case. Today, the control of side effects is much more sophisticated. I'm not saying there won't be side effects, but they may not be as bad as you think. That's an interesting point to remember, isn't it? That our fears, because they are fears, of hospitalisation are so often based upon what we heard when we were younger from the previous generation. We were very much aware of that, Beryl and I, when Beryl needed quite a serious internal operation. I won't go into details, but quite a serious internal operation. And she knew her mother had had that. And because of her mother having it and all of the effects that her mother had resulting from it, she put off. Mm and wouldn't go and wouldn't do and wouldn't be checked etc etc but in the end it got to a point where she had to and she had it done and she waltzed through it amazingly a similar situation happened when she needed a hip replacement oh you know mum when she had her hip replacement she was in hospital for whatever's and afterwards she had to walk with a stick and 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 all of those sort of things but actually, in Beryl's situation, yes, she had the operation. Yes, it was pretty serious. But she was out in a moderate period of time. And after not too many weeks, was quite reasonable. And now she walks quite happily. 
she doesn't necessarily run down the road, but she walks quite happily. Mm. And everything <coughs> is fine, and she goes back for checks, and it's all, oh, well, yes, I had a hip operation ages ago, etc. I suppose the same thing happened with me with one or two situations like hernia, and you referred to open-heart surgery. It is not as foreboding as the older generation. That is so true. And so we need to remember that the NHS is amazingly clever. And yes, these things are complicated, but there are a lot of very, very skilled, clever people around and they know what they're doing. They do indeed, yes. And uh, in my case, the chemotherapy did have side effects. Unusually, I got a lot of side effects early on. Generally, the side effects from chemotherapy tend to build. The more you have, the more the side effects grow. My first session of chemotherapy hit me really hard. I think partly because I was very ill. I had excruciating pain in my joints for a good two to three days. I felt sick all the time, although I never vomited. I couldn't eat for three or four days. Things like that. But it only lasted for about a week and then I began to feel better and better. What I found is that each cycle of chemotherapy brings a week of not feeling very well. Each time the side effects can vary. Then I have about a week of recovery where I start to feel that some of the side effects are changing. One thing that everyone who has chemotherapy notices is that your taste changes. Food that you did like, you can no longer have. Anything with vinegar in, for me, is absolutely vile at present. But over the week, the second week, that starts to change. And very, very gradually, it becomes less and less unpalatable. Until, really, just a few days before my next session starts, I feel quite normal. And then you have your next session, and you go downhill, and you come back. So it's like a roller coaster. And that's why they do it in bursts and give you time in between, isn't it? Yes, yes, to recover. Yeah, I think we have to press the pause button there. You've been listening to my journey through cancer. I'd like to invite you to join me next week at the same place on the dial at the same time and walk a while with me. If you've found what you've heard today helpful, if it's brought up issues in your life, then why not phone in to the Flame Studios? Jesus, this means everything.